Good morning, America. You are listening to Percolating Perspective, the podcast that offers you some perspective on America. I'm your host, Gordon Michael Porter. Today on Percolating Perspective, we go through the history and beliefs of one man who single-handedly shaped American culture for the better. Unfortunately, in the current America, his legacy has all been but forgotten and replaced by a lie. But we're going to fix that today. Today, we look at the truth of who Walt Disney was and just how much we've forgotten about this incredible American. But before we can do that, we have to get some caffeine flowing through our veins. Let's sit down at the pharmacy lunch counter and sip on a cup for just a few minutes. Every once in a while, there's a little ding that fills the air of the store that echoes through the building as another daily patron comes to the front door activating the bell. The warmth of the enormous Franklin cast iron stove over in the corner coupled with the pinewood floors that have been traveled down to a polish bring a dryness to the air that will cure any of your rainy day blues. As the last few drips of fresh brewed coffee fall from the tip of the filter, you notice a reflection in the mirror behind the counter. The reflection proves that the steam hushing past the face of the young man pouring a cup of coffee is the cup of coffee that you have been waiting for. The young man, seemingly as excited as you are, places the cup and saucer down on the counter in front of you along with your favorite donut. Today on Percolating Perspective, I'm sipping on Community Coffee, an American original that has been family-owned and operated by the same family since 1919. Good stuff, too. Community Coffee has been roasted on location in Baton Rouge, Louisiana since 1923 by the Saraj family and has been a staple in stores and restaurants, offices, courthouses, churches, um, where else? Club meetings, lodge meetings. I mean, community coffee is basically anywhere there's a coffee maker. Uh, And for good reason. It's still a good cup of coffee. I'll make no bones about it. I have had better cups. But I have not one had one that is consistently as consistent <laughs> as community coffee. But back to our reality here. The smell of the leather shoes sitting proudly against the wall opposite the lunch counter mixes well with the smell of the coffee warming in the pot and the occasional wisp of a maverick smoke that makes its way past the door of the stove. The radio playing lifts a familiar song over the loudspeaker that latches itself into the minds of everyone at the counter and those milling around the dozens of racks of merchandise neatly scattered throughout the room. Bing Crosby uh, brings his croon to a close, which ushers in the morning news break for the 7 o'clock news. The reporter, seemingly bright and excited about the news he has to bring through the speaker, rustles some papers around hurries through the weather forecast and is finally ready to discuss the biggest national headline story that has come across his desk in weeks. He hurriedly states that this bulletin is brought to you by author Floribel Moir from the Los Angeles Daily News. And he begins to read. 
The most spectacular idea that Walt Disney has come up with in 30 years of profitable daydreaming will become reality a week from tomorrow when his one-man's world's fair, Disneyland, opens in Anaheim, California. I have just taken a tour of this unique $17 million wonderland that Disney beamingly refers to as, quote, 160 acres of happiness, end quote. My guide was the boss himself. Like a kid who's gotten the toy he wanted, 53-year-old Walt bubbled with boyish pride and excitement as he ushered me into his brand new world of make-believe. Just what is Disneyland, I asked. It's a fabulous playground, he answered, something of a fair, a city from the Arabian Nights, a metropolis of the future, a showpiece of magic and living facts, but above all, a place for people to find happiness and knowledge. It's something I dreamed up years ago. Walt Disney had already impacted American culture in a large way with Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, Alice in Wonderland, Cinderella, but nothing would compare to the impact of this first day in Disneyland, California, in 1955. Every American child, in some form or fashion, owes a large part of their childhood to Walt Disney, and his vision and dream to educate and teach moral truths through stories and vibrant colors. What we all remember about Walt Disney is fading rapidly, because the very company he established is no longer adhering to the foundations which made it great to begin with. Truth be told, the innocence uh, of children, honesty, family, the goodness and wonder of America, all those things made up the foundation. The memory of Walt Disney is being eroded away day by day with everything from flat-out lies and perversion being provoked uh, promoted, excuse me, by the very company to ordinary people who believe Walt Disney over the years to have been something less than admirable. All these tainted memories are wrong, and shame on us if we fall, uh, if we believe in them and fall prey. But first, let's do just a quick stat check on this guy for clar- for curiosity, clarity's sake, whatever you want to call it, uh, before we get into just how incredible this man was. Walt Disney still to this day holds the record for the most Academy Awards earned and nominations by an individual, having won 22 Oscars from 59 nominations. He earned two Golden Globe Special Achievement Awards and was also the first person to be nominated for Academy Awards in six different categories. That's incredible. No doubt that's incredible. But as he would tell you, none of that mattered to him. To him, the greatest reward was smiling children in a thriving and beautiful United States. What made Walt Disney a hero was not the awards, not the pomp and circumstance. What made Walt Disney an American hero was a man with high ideals having an idea. Disney was a Chicago native and became very fond of drawing as a young boy. By age 18, he had become a professional illustrator and moved out to Hollywood, California in 1923. In 1928, he would change the world with a single character we now lovingly refer to as Mickey Mouse. Quickly, the popularity of Mickey Mouse grew and grew and proved to be highly successful. And in fact, by 1933, the character Mickey Mouse had received over 800,000 pieces of fan mail from fans all over the world. This proved to Walt Disney that his idea was worth its weight in gold and would lead Walt to stretch his illustrative legs and begin to try new things with animation and attempt new stories. 
Disney was not satisfied with growing the company to over a thousand employees in just 10 years. By 1937, Walt had decided to push the envelope and release his first feature-length film, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, which would alter the projection of the Walt Disney Company forever. This movie wasn't going to be black and white like all the rest had been. Not for Disney. This was going to be in Technicolor. As we just mentioned, after several movies released, Disney opened Disneyland in Anaheim, California in July of 1955. Knowing that this was a massive financial undertaking, Disney would go to several large TV conglomerates and radio conglomerates such as CBS, NBC, ABC, and he would pitch the idea of the theme park, essentially begging for funding for the project. After being turned down by CBS and NBC, the newest company of the three, ABC, was hungry for a new idea. These conversations between Walt Disney and ABC would in turn produce the Mickey Mouse Club, which would directly fund the building of the first theme park ever created, Disneyland. Now, all of this is incredible, but I think all of this we may have at least heard before, or at least have heard the sentiments of it. But there's a truth about Walt Disney that the current executives of his company are doing their best to bury, and that alone proves the power of the truth of Walt Disney. By the 1940s, the United States would be deep into what was called the Second Red Scare. After World War II, it was believed that communists and socialists had infiltrated every institution of the United States, from Congress to Hollywood to the FBI. <laughs> what a laughable idea, right? <laughs> oh. Several horrible stories happened as a result of this uh, second Red Scare, as those involved seemingly reacted out of emotion and left their American principles to handle uh, the threat of communism. Although American principles did not handle that threat, and it was entirely based on emotion, and the United States government killed several people uh, incorrectly. However bad the reactions were in Washington, D.C., though, communism was and today still is a very real threat to our way of life. And Walt Disney knew that. Walt Disney, a Republican since 1940, in 1946, Walt Disney was a founding member of what a member of what is called the Motion Picture Alliance for the Preservation of American Ideals. This organization started that uh, stated, excuse me, that it quote believed in and liked the American way of life end quote. They went on to say that, quote, we find ourselves in sharp revolt against the rising tide of communism, fascism, and kindred beliefs that seek by subversive means to undermine and change this way of life, end quote. In 1947, just a year later, Disney testified before Congress in which he outed Herbert Sorrell, David Hilberman, and William Pomeris, who were labor union organizers, as communist agitators. Disney testified that a strike they led back in 1941 was actually part of an organized communist effort to gain influence in Hollywood. Hello! We are there, people. And since then, Walt Disney has been slandered by all kinds of organizations, but specifically the NAACP and other organizations recently for being racist because he produced the movie Song of the South. You go watch that movie and you make your own decision. If you watch it for yourself, you will know the truth. 
Disney campaigned successfully for an honorary Academy Award for the star of Song of the South, James Baskett, who was the first black actor ever honored by the Academy. Racist? Shut up. Floyd Norman was a black man who worked as an animator for Walt Disney in his studio during the 1950s and 60s. You know, not a real good time for uh, race relations. Floyd would say, Not once did I observe a hint of the racist behavior Walt Disney is often accused of after his death. His treatment of people, and by this I mean all people, can only be called exemplary. To echo the sentiments offered by Ralph Izzard, a journalism professor, quote, the values in Disney's films are those considered valuable in American Christian society, such as individualism, decency, love for our fellow man, fair play, and toleration, end quote. The Disney we know now that is actively attempting to take our culture apart of the seams is not the Disney that was envisioned by its creator. Disney leadership has now openly stated that their goal is to ensure that every member of the cross-sectional playground is included in their productions. Walt Disney was a man of honor. Walt Disney was a man of high ideals who dearly loved his country, flaws and all. Walt Disney felt and understood the wonder and magic of a land where men could live free and serve one another. Disney elevated our forefathers, such as George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and Abraham Lincoln. He was fascinated by the inventiveness of men like Edison, Alexander Graham Bell, George Westinghouse. Little did he know that he would be one of those men in that list right there. Disney believed in America. He was in love with her beauty, and for good reason. And a, mu- a movie I have discussed on this podcast before is The Adventures of Davy Crockett. This was a Walt Disney production, and it was actually one of the last that he was actively involved in. He and Fess Parker would stand in the hills of Cherokee, North Carolina, filming this movie, and witness the vast wonder and hallowed nature of the Smoky Mountains while developing a movie that would not only showcase one of the men that Walt Disney sought to uphold as an example to all Americans, but this movie would change Fess Parker's life as well. Fess Parker went on to write songs and ballads about Davy Crockett and became the face of the Davy Crockett story until his death. Walt Disney changed Fess Parker's life. Walt Disney has changed every American's life through his movies, his theme parks, TV shows, and the magic of America. Walt Disney is a true example of just what a truly free God-fearing society can produce. Wonder, magic, and innocence. And now for the hard part. America, there's a great big beautiful tomorrow. When you wish upon a star... Makes no difference who you are. Anything your heart desires will come to you. If your heart is in your dream, no request is too extreme. When you wish upon a star, as dreamers do. America, 
I love you as Walt Disney did. God bless you. <laughs>